give you praise. We give you honor and glory this morning. Just before you're seated today, I want to say what an honor it is for my wife Wanda and I to be here. It's been about eight months since I had the privilege to stand here and worship with you. I just want to say I'm proud of you. God's doing a great work. And I believe that the fulfillment of his work is going to cause us all to be baffled at how good and how great and how marvelous he is. Amen. This morning, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to the 19th chapter of the book of Psalm. Psalm 19. I'm not going to read it right now. We're going to work our way through it this morning. My wife and I were talking on the way over here this morning. It's, it's been a little while since I stood in the pulpit to preach. Done some teaching and some training, but it's probably been about eight weeks since I stood in the pulpit to preach. And I don't know what that means for you this morning. It may mean that we'll be here a while or it may mean you'll say he's out of practice. But I've got something on my heart that I want to share with you. One of the questions that, that seems to resound across the body of Christ and not only the body of Christ, but maybe even more so from folks who haven't yet entered into relationship with God is the question, does God still speak to us today? I was talking a little bit with my wife last night as we made our way from a, an engagement that we were at last evening. And she said, what are you preaching about tomorrow? And I gave her the title and she said, well, yeah. You see, those who are in relationship with God know that he speaks. But I believe he wants to speak more than what we let him. All of us probably have that friend or acquaintance that talks too much. They never stop. Now, please understand what I'm about to say. God has never stopped talking to us. He talks regularly and he talks consistently. We just have to take the time to hear. And so with the title, Does God Speak to Us Today? I probably could have rephrased it and said, Are you listening to God today? Because he is speaking. We're going to look at Psalm 19 this morning and we're going to see some various ways that he does speak. But I need you to pray with me. I need you to pray that God would take this time and he would use it. Not for me to give a speech. I'm not here to do that. That's not what God appointed me to do. I'm not here to tickle your fancy. I'm here to share with you what the word of God says. And that's an awesome responsibility. I can't do it by myself. I need him. 
So I'm going to ask you to pray that God would speak through me. Secondly, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray and I need you to pray that God would open our ears to hear what he says. It doesn't matter to me if you remember something I say. But I do want you to remember what God says. And then lastly, I would ask you to pray that we would leave challenged by his word. So if we'd pray those three things together right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, I stand here awed by the fact that you would choose me for such an holy and awesome responsibility as communicating the truth of your word. God, I need you this morning. I need you to speak through me. Catalog, classify, and clarify my thoughts. Lord, let me communicate only what you want said. Guard my lips. Don't let me say anything, God, that you're not pleased with. God, I pray for each one of us today who hears. We want to hear from you. God, I want to know what you are saying. So let your word speak to us boldly. And God, let us each be changed. Changed by your word, changed by your spirit, changed by your power. We will give you honor. We'll give you thanks and praise and we'll know God, that you've done the work because it'll be a work we cannot do ourselves. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. I want to say thanks to your pastoral staff for the great welcome that they always extend to us when we are here. They operate in excellence, and I commend them for their work. Several years ago, probably 15 years ago, I read a book by Henry Blackaby and Claude King entitled Experiencing God. It was a book that when I read it challenged me, not just to read it that time, but I read it several times. As a matter of fact, I ended up using it as a text to teach the church that I was pastoring at that time and, and the words of, of that book still resound in my spirit on certain levels even until today. But one of the things I'm reminded about in that book is that Blackaby and King devote an entire section of the book to the ways that God speaks to us. They list five very distinct ways that God speaks to us through his word, through the spirit, through the church, through other believers. And that we know that God, as he speaks to us, is not just speaking to fill the airwaves with his voice. There was a, a season and a time in my life and as, as I went through that, I was 
I'm going to use a word this morning. I was addicted, if you will, to talk radio. I, I wanted to hear everything those folks said. It was back during one of the presidential campaigns and I was, I was letting my mind be filled with the thoughts of folks from 12 o'clock till 3 o'clock Monday to Friday and from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock. I, I had it on either in the office or in the car, no matter where I was at. I was, I was listening, and, and the amazing thing was they very rarely said anything new. It was just the rehashing of a lot of the same stuff we can become innocuous to the words around us. We can, we can be in the presence of someone speaking and never really hear them. Some wife just gave her husband a bruise in his ribs. Because... We as husbands at time hear what is being said, but we really don't hear it. We know there is talking, but we don't respond appropriately to the talking. God's always speaking to us, and we must respond appropriately. God has something of value and importance to share with us. Communication, as you know, is a vital part of any relationship. And without communication, relationships dwindle and eventually they will die. So if we are going to grow in relationship with Christ, we have to have communication with him. We have to be listening to him. We have to be able to discern his voice amid a cacophony of other sounds and voices and and all types of of input into our spirit we have to discern what is the voice of God and respond to it i believe psalm 19 gives us a vivid example of how god reveals himself through communication with us I was recently drawn to Psalm 19 for a very specific reason. May 22nd of this year, my father passed from this life and entered into his eternal reward. He was 10 days short of 90 years old. But in his weakened physical condition, in his frailness of body, but yet sharpness of mind, he was still memorizing scripture until just before he died. I'm not talking about verses of scripture. I'm talking about he memorized chapters of scripture. And the last chapter that we know he memorized was Psalm 19. And he shared it with various members of the family. He would quote it, and, and not just from... Now, now he, was, he, he wasn't going to learn it from the NIV or the New... He learned the King James. 
But, but he was also interested. I remember he, on one occasion, my sister told me, he had her get the message Bible. He said, I want you to read Psalm 19 from the message Bible because it says things differently. But the impact that that, that had on my life, and maybe what I'm doing here this morning is a little bit cathartic in that I'm sharing something that's been birthed in my spirit for months now. And this is the first time that I've really had the opportunity after working through some notes and some, some time to be able to present this. But Psalm 19 is, is something probably most of us here would know the 14th verse. We, we could recite Psalm 19, 14 from memory. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. But that's the 14th verse, and there are 13 verses that precede it. We're going to kind of dissect those this morning. So I want you to, to turn with me, as I said, to Psalm 19. We're going to take it in three sections this morning. I want to read verses 1 through 6, first of all. The Scripture says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The psalmist here tells us in verses 1 through 6 that God is speaking to us, and he's speaking through the skies. The heavens declare the glory of God and the earth or the firmament shows his mighty handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. In other words, all of creation is screaming at us, I am God and I am powerful. All of creation is making a statement to us and saying there is a God who is good and there is a God who has done great and mighty things. My friend, this morning, as you stepped out of your house and onto the porch and looked into the skies, the clouds that are above, or the trees that cover the mountains around us, we should know that God is speaking to us. The glory of creation is a reminder that God loves us and he placed us in the only environment in the known solar system that could sustain life. Do you realize that God placed us at such a place in this solar system that we can survive. There cannot be life on other planets. It's not able to exist there. But God created the heavens and the earth. And he looked at the heaven and the earth. And what did he say? It is good. And we look today and I believe there are things that we can look at and we could get discouraged. We could get distracted. We could see the evil. We could see the darkness. We could see the corruption. 
corruption, but I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. My God has set before me a creation that screams into my spirit of his love and his mercy. Psalm 8 and verse number 1, the scripture says this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. When we look at the oceans, when we look at the mountains, when we look at the prairies, when we look at anything that God has made, we should stand in awe and recognize God, you are speaking to me. The voice of God coming through creation is deafening if we will but listen. Again in the Psalms, chapter 29, verse 3 and forward, let me just share some phrases with you. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. In verse 5, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. Verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forests bare. You see, creation... The skies above, the earth below, they tell us that God loves us. They inform us that, yes, God is speaking to us. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 gives us this example. You remember he said, the swallow or the small bird, God cares about the sparrow enough to feed the sparrow. How much more does God care for you? Do you realize the illustrations we get from creation that demonstrate to us God's care and concern when we look and see how God provides? If God provides for such a small thing as the bird, don't you know he loves you? And don't you know that he cares for you? And don't you know that he is speaking to you and he's calling out your name. He's reminding you of his great love. He's telling you of his mercy. He's commissioning you to do great works for him. The voice of God speaks to us from all around, both day and night, the scripture says. God's creation is speaking to us, but the speech of God is not heard by all. There are some who look at God's creation And instead of admiring the handiwork of an awesome God, they choose to think that somewhere in the far expanse of the galaxies, a bang took place. And a bang caused a molecule to join together with another molecule. And billions and billions of years ago, all these things started to occur and Then, through the process of billions and billions of years, a fish became an ape who became a man. God help my soul. Now, I've got some ancestors who weren't as handsome as me, but there's none of them that look like an ape. You see... There are folks who've never heard the message of Jesus Christ. There are unreached people groups in this world today who've never had the gospel preached to them. But what researchers tell us 
is when the gospel is brought to them, they, they make a recognition. We've seen him already. He's the God that made all this. He's the God that you've introduced us to the God that, that we knew had to exist. We just didn't know him by name. But could I tell you this morning, his, his name is Jehovah. His name is God, Elohim. His name is wonderful. His name is powerful. His name is mighty and great in all of his works. Creation screams at us and says, there is a God in heaven who cares for us and who is in love with us. You see, the cycle of the seasons is a declaration to us of God's mercy and his care. As we move into the fall time of year and leaves will begin to change from green to orange and red and yellow and brown to a covering upon the earth that lets us know that this season has ended. But the end of this season does not mean the end of God's plan because if we'll wait but about 90 days or so, there'll be another change. And from fall, we will move to winter, and that winter could be bitter in the snow covering and the ice on the ground, and we'll, want, we'll long for the warm days of spring, but sure as the world, come late March or early April, the buds will bring forth new life. The ground will thaw and produce new growth, leading to summer where we will relish the beauty of, of God's creation and, and we'll see the majesty of his goodness. But you see, the cycle that, that we see in one year has been ongoing for centuries and even for thousands of years. But it is God speaking to us and reminding us that even though there are things in our life that may appear as though they are dying or dead, he is able to bring life to them. He is able to speak. I believe the voice of God speaks to us from the skies and he says to us, do not fear my child, for though it may not look as though there is life at this moment, there is coming a day when the warmth of the Spirit of God is going to shine down upon that kernel that is inside of your spirit, and there's going to be a root take hold, and there's going to be a shoot that will spring forth, and there will be life, and God, I believe, is reminding somebody here today that he is speaking to you. But he not only speaks through the scriptures, he, he speaks through the skies. But secondly, the scriptures tell us that he speaks through the scriptures. Look at verses 7 and forward to verse 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great Reward. Notice, if you will, in verses 7 forward through 9, the, 
the lead in to each of those verses. Verse 7, the law of the Lord. Verse 8, the statutes of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord. It sounds like the Lord has something to say. From generation to generation, from Genesis until now, God has been speaking. We have the account of creation, not from Adam, but we have the account of creation from a man who lived some 1,800 years after creation, but God gave him details. On day one, I did this. On day two, I did this. And Moses is writing all of these things down. And he, he collects this not just as an historical reference, but as a reminder to us that the scriptures are God's word given to us that his spirit might speak directly to us in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. About four people right there should have said hallelujah. God, the same God who gave Moses a revelation of creation is today speaking to his people and he has something of value to say to us and he says to us, my child, hear the story of my love, how that I sent my only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to live among you as a man and to die upon a cross as a criminal, but to come forth from the grave as a royal priest. Hallelujah. The scriptures are speaking to us today. God, who at various times in the past has spoken, is still speaking today. He's not mute. He's not unable to speak, but his word is still speaking to us today. The word of God is alive. Hallelujah. But the writer of Hebrews goes on and he says this, whom he has appointed heir of all things, speaking of Jesus Christ, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You see, God, the great and mighty God who spoke in times past does not, require us to be completely and utterly dependent upon what was spoken thousands of years ago. But he says, I have a fresh word for you today. You've had this experience just as I have. You've read scripture. And the same verse of scripture that you've read on multiple occasions has been a scripture that maybe didn't really speak to you, but you read it on Tuesday and all of a sudden the words are in 72 point font and they're bold and they're italicized and God gets you and he shakes you and says, haven't you seen this before? And we say, uh, no, sir. He's done that with me this past week in the book of Matthew chapter 24, verses 11, 12, and 13. In the 14th verse where the scripture says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. 
but he who endures to the end shall be saved. You see, for years I read that verse of Scripture, that passage of Scripture, and it was my understanding, my feeble human understanding, that lawlessness meant criminality. You know, the killing and stealing and, and robbing and, and ab ab abuse and all of those things that are criminal. That's, that's how I had interpreted lawlessness for so long. But, but God this week kind of shook me and he said, lawlessness has nothing to do with man's code. Lawlessness is the things that are against my word. And because lawlessness abounds, the love of many will grow cold. And, and as I began to see it, God opened my eyes and please hear me out. The church is accepting more of what culture says is right than what God says is right. We're afraid we're going to offend somebody. God offended a lot of people. Matter of fact, God offended me. He called me a sinner. Guilty as charged. But I'm a sinner saved by his grace. You see, the scriptures remind us that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And all of us have fallen into that clutch that sin had upon us. But thanks be unto God who has given us salvation full and free. And the scriptures are a reminder to us that we have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That we have been set free. And as you work your way through the scriptures there in Psalm 19 begin at verse 7 and forward, notice this. God's word is a perfect law. God's word is a sure testimony. God's word is a right statute. God's word is a pure commandment. God's word is a clear fear, a clean fear of the Lord. God's word is sweeter than honey. My friend, I could take those and preach for about two months about what the word of God is. We have an awesome resource in the word of God. The word of the Lord is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The word of God is a shield and a buckler. The word of God is our protection. It's our strength. It's our courage. It is everything to us. And God speaks to us through his word and says, do not fear. But that's what the word of God is. But notice in verses 7 through 11, we're also told what the word of God does. It converts, it makes wise, it rejoices, it enlightens, it endures, it enriches, it satisfies, it warns, it rewards. My friend, if you need something from the Lord today, just go to his word. Probably all of us are guilty of coming to that point that moment in our life where we felt like we couldn't get the prayer through and we needed to get in touch with somebody who could. We needed to call Sister B because God hears her. Yes, he does. But God hears me just as much as he hears you, Sister B. Here's what I've come to understand. He's just more used to hearing from B than he is me. 
My girls sound a lot alike on the phone. Thank God for caller ID. But if it wasn't for caller ID, I'd, I'd have to listen for a few moments to discern which one was which. But God knows who you are. When you call upon him, he responds based upon his knowledge of you. The scriptures tell us that God knows us intimately from the hairs of our head to the number of days that have been ascribed for us. God knows about us. The scriptures remind us that God has knowledge about us more than we have of ourselves. And so, yes, God is speaking to us through the skies. God is speaking to us through the scriptures. But in conclusion this morning, look at verses 12 through 14 and you'll see that God speaks in the soul. God speaks in the soul. Verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Now, most of the his in the preceding part of this chapter, you'll notice were capitalized. That's speaking of God, but... This his in verse 12 is not capitalized. God has not made an error. This is me and you. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Jeremiah the prophet reminds us that no person can understand his or her own heart. We need the mirror of Scripture to reveal our sins and our shortcomings to us. The psalmist here makes this statement in the middle of verse number 12. Cleanse me from secret faults. David here was saying, God, let your word so cleanse me that even when I don't know I'm wrong, you'll convict me of it. Help me, God, to understand. Lord, you've got to speak to my soul. You've got, to, you've got to go beyond the printed words of the Scripture. You've got to go beyond the declaration of creation, and you have to speak into my soul. God, I need to hear your voice. Maybe that voice comes as a still, small voice like the prophet heard. Or maybe that voice comes as those who were gathered around Jesus when he was baptized heard from heaven and the word said, this is my son, hear him. Or maybe we hear it as those who stood in the streets of Jerusalem following the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the 120 in the upper room. And the scripture says they all heard it in their own native language. 
If you'll allow me just a, a little bit of, of time here and to explain something to you. Sometimes we need to hear things differently for them to really impact us. We, we need to hear it, quote unquote, in our own language. David said, cleanse me from my secret faults. But then he goes on in verse number 13 and says, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Don't let them have dominion over me. You say, what does that have to do with God speaking to us? It's as though God sits above us and he says, that's not the direction this is. You see, we have to have an ear that will hear him clearly so that when we're faced with a decision going this way or that way, we can say, God, I don't have time to research how you speak. I just need to hear you speak. And because of relationship, he speaks to us and we know, we discern, we clearly understand. God said, this is the path. My friend, there is nothing more sure in my spirit or in my soul than of the times where that God gave me direction, said, this is what to do. It is firmly engraved in my heart. It is established in my innermost man. I know that I know that I know, if you'll let me say it that way, that God has given direction. And when he does, when he speaks into my soul, that is something I can hold on to regardless. No matter what comes my way, I can draw a point in reference in a leaflet of a Bible that I used when I was pastoring a church. I remember writing the date and I remember writing a phrase. This is the day of a new beginning. And from that moment forward, I could describe to you and show you step by step how God did a new work in the life of that church but that wasn't day one of my pastoral tenure it took some time to get there but when God spoke it it was as though everything else settled down and God had a word in my heart and in my spirit I tell you today he's still speaking to our soul but we have to have an ear that will listen to him and will say speak Lord your servant hears I'm reminded of the scriptures that speak to us so clearly about God giving his word to young Samuel. Samuel went to his spiritual leader. He went to the priest. He thought the priest had called him. The priest said, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Young Samuel goes again to his bed and he hears the same refrain. Walks back to the priest's room, wakes him from his sleep. Did you call me? I'm here. No, it wasn't me. But the next time you hear it, don't come to me, but say, speak, Lord. Your servant hears. And as Samuel pillowed his head again, the voice of the Lord came, and Samuel responded appropriately. 
Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. I'm hungry to hear the voice of God. I'm eager to hear what God is saying to others. Please don't misinterpret me. I want to know what God is saying to others, but I need to know what he's saying to me. I need to know what he's speaking into my heart. A friend of mine says it this way. Sometimes the voice of God sounds a lot like my wife. You see, he'll speak to us through creation. He'll speak through the scriptures. Or he'll speak into our soul. He, bottom line is, he's going to speak. But we have to respond. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. My invitation to you this morning is very simple. If you are interested in hearing God's voice speak to your spirit, you're hungry to know what God has to say to you. I'm talking about individually. You're hungry to hear what God has to say to you. I'm just going to ask you to step out from where you are this morning. Make your way to this altar and begin.